0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church Stellenbosch. May this life giving word activate your faith today. So, we've been, um, we've been busy with a sermon series called Speak, and the sermon series is all about the power of our words. How many of you have enjoyed this sermon series? It's amazing. I mean, it's stuff that we know, we know it. But it's so good to just (laughs) to hear it again and go into it again and and really put your finger on that things again and see, wow, I never realized that I've got this power. I need to remind myself. Now, just to give you a quick recap on week one, I spoke about just that. Um, To actually know that every word you speak have power. Every word you speak have power. Week two, we looked at what your heart meditates on, your mouth will speak about. Remember that. So it's very important to know that what you fill your heart with, your mouth will speak. So go and listen to that. Then last week, Sean was here. He ministered to so many of you. How many enjoyed Sean? He's amazing, and uh, and he really he were blessed being here. And um, he prophesied over so many of you. And I hope you're holding on to that word this week and the weeks to come. And it's so amazing when God speaks to us in in times like that, which is so incredible. So now today, I want to finish this series of sermons um with the last one i feel this is the last one but maybe sometimes well it happened in the past god speak to me and during the week but i feel this is the last one and i want to speak about speaking to your mountain speaking to your mountain how many of you have mountains in your life and i've asked that so many times but how many of us speak to god about our mountain instead of speaking to our mountain about god you see it's a big difference we can speak to God, Lord, my mountain, this, and uh, it's so tough, Lord. When are you going to, but when are, it's time for us to turn to the mountain and start speaking to the mountain about the God who conquered it already. You see, it's a big, big difference in angle of how we approach things in life. Now, I came about an article this week on the following. It's called The Illusory Truth effect now let's read it together and then i'll speak about it it says the illusory truth effect has been flying around the world of psychology since 1977 but recently more and more evidence have arrived to back it up the illusory truth effect is the idea that if you repeat something often enough people will slowly start to believe it's true see sounds it sounds about right considering all the times we've blindly trusted and Um, trusted an old wife tale or a much retweeted statement. But a new study has revealed that the illusory truth effect is much stronger than we imagined. Because it turns out that even if a person has prior knowledge disproving a lie they're being told, they still believe the lie if it's been repeated enough. An experiment published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology indicates that that being told something enough, even when you know it's incorrect, can make you believe that it is true. This might also apply to the person repeating the lie. The more you say something, the more you too will believe it is the truth. How many of you found that? When a friend comes to you and starts telling this, this truth that you think is the truth, but it's actually a lie. And then you repeat it to someone, to, to two, three, four people, and then later on you start believing, yeah, it must be the truth. And then you realize later on, ah oh, it's not the truth, but it felt so true. <laughs> and it's actually a psychological point in our lives that when we repeat things, later on you start believing that it is the truth, although it's only a lie. And if you go into that article, it is scary how, how they tell people that, um, they called a Scottish... You know, the Scotsman, you wear um, Scottish garments, k- a kilt. And they say, it's not actually not called a kilt, it's called something else. And they start giving them the name of, the, of the, the dress, or the kilt. And people start using that later on after a week, saying that name, really believe that it's not a kilt anymore. It is actually quite scary. You see, it's a powerful truth to know that when we start repeating things, we start believing it. See, whatever truth or lie we repeat, we speak, and we will keep on speaking it. So where do our words originate from? And, it's, and, and I want to start right at the bottom. Where do our words that we speak originate from? See, it's, it is probably a, a very easy question, but it comes from our thoughts, right? What you think, you speak. What you think about, you speak about. If you sit in a movie and you start thinking about the movie, uh, after the movie you think about it, you start speaking about it. What we think about, we speak about. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says the following, For as he thinkes, thinks in his heart, I almost went King James there. <laughs> For he, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. So whatever you think about in your heart, we spoke about that last week as well, or two weeks ago as well. See, our thoughts have the power to create who we are. Listen to it. Our thoughts have the power to create who we are. But our thought has not the final say. It does not. Let me illustrate the power of thought quickly. Are you ready? Close your eyes. I want to bring the sports psychologist out of me. <laughs> so close your eyes. You need to play along. So I want you to picture in front of you a lemon, a seer lemon, and it's on a cutting board with a sharp knife and you take the knife in your right hand and a lemon in your left and you cut the lemon in half. Wow, can you see how the, the source of the lemon drips out of the lemon? Can you see that? Now take the left hand with the half piece and then bring it closer to your mouth and bite it. Okay, bite that lemon. As hard as you can. Okay, open your mouth. Oh, open your eyes. <laughs> how many of you felt that? Have felt that when you bite that lemon? You can open your eyes. There we go. Are you here? <laughs> you still had the lemon. He's <laughs> enjoying that lemon. <laughs> how many of you felt that? You see, when we think something, and it has a literal effect on your body. That's how powerful thoughts is. Philippians 4 verse 4 says the following. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, only sorry, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So, what does Paul say? Paul says, fix your thoughts. It means that don't let your thoughts wander. Make sure you fix your thoughts on the things that is praiseworthy. Not on the nonsense out there and the things that you can think about. Because thoughts are powerful. Now here's the truth worth writing down. And, and I won't say it's a, it's a henny truth. It's, it's just something that's been so resonating in my life for so long. It says the following, three points. What we think about will direct your words. What we speak. Do you remember Matthew 12, 34. Whatever your heart is full of, your mouth will speak from. So, what you think, what you think about will direct your words. Your words will direct your actions, what you do. But your actions will bear fruit in your life that impact your destiny. Did you get it? So, your thoughts will direct your words Your words will direct your actions and your actions will have fruit in your life that will have an impact on your destiny. Everything starts with our thoughts. But does it? But now my question is, Henny, what if our thoughts are sinful? Is it sin? I've asked that many times in my life. It's like, I've got all these thoughts in my life, these sinful thoughts, these desires, these things in my life. Am I sinning? If I'm thinking about those things. See, it's a good question. And the answer is this. Yes, it is when you meditate on that thought. And you keep on entertaining that thought. The thought becomes a word. The word becomes an action. And there's fruit in your life. But the thought itself is not sin. Depending on what you do with the thought. I see, how do I control my thoughts? To make sure I'm not... How do I control my thoughts to make sure that I'm not meditating on a bunch of nonsense see that how question is a very important question how do i control my thoughts now it's easy you use your words to intervene see if i have a thought i don't have to entertain a thought but i can use my words it's much more powerful to intervene with my thoughts can i illustrate that to you are you ready close your eyes again here we go psychology lesson two 2.1. 2.1. So what in front of you I want you to see, you're sitting on a beach. Do you see that beach that you love? And in your left hand you've got the best ice cream that, you've, that you know about. Oh, it's a great ice cream. You see the colors in the ice cream and it's dripping and if you don't lick it too quick, I mean it's going to melt in your hand. It's such a great ice cream. Now what I want you to do while you're thinking about the ice cream, I'm going to say a word and I want you to repeat the words five times. You have to play along, okay? Are you ready you see that ice cream oh it's a great ice cream it's so nice have you licked it come on now here's the word see the ice cream red ferrari come on you have to say it say red Ferrari red Ferrari red Ferrari are you still thinking about the ice cream Ah, oh, come on <laughs> now usually it works if you play along but if you think about something And you really think about something and you open your eyes and you say a word that is total opposite you don't think about the thought anymore it is proved psychologically it is proved psychologically so so I usually work with sportsmen and and women and when they have thoughts of fear if I'm gonna make it or not if I'm gonna be successful we coach them to speak words that is right opposite so that they can counter the thoughts with words that is truth and positive it is proven So if you think about an ice cream, no matter how much you like ice cream and you say red Ferrari, red, then you forget about the ice cream and you see the red Ferrari if you're very well imagined. doesn't make sense. So how do we fight thoughts with words? I've had a friend who walked on campus and and the campus he's on in America, he's got very lustful culture. The women wear nothing, well, not nothing, but almost nothing. And every time he walks past, down the pathway and there's a woman coming in front, and he doesn't want to look at that, because he want to honor his wife with his eyes. And he would turn around and say, no, I will not look at that, loud. And people like, what, is this guy crazy? But he, with the, his words are worth to him so much more than the thoughts that will get him to a place of meditation on things. He doesn't want to meditate You see, we need to use our words to intervene when thoughts become undesirable. So how many, sorry, our words have the power to move reality and to move our mountains. To move that meditation and the thoughts that's getting you into a place of fear, into that place of insecurity. It comes to me, uh, brings me to, a, to the scripture I want to use as, as our main scripture this morning. In Matthew 17, verse 19 to 20, it's Jesus again, and he says the same thing. He said in the first sermon I used, but it says in different context. Let's read it together. It says in verse 19 to 20 in Matthew 17, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, This is after what happened. And they said, why could we not cast out, cast it out? He's talking about a demon-possessed boy. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move it, and from here to there, and it will move. And then it says, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, great scripture. So many in this. It says the following Jesus came to, or the disciples came to Jesus after they prayed for a boy. After they prayed for a boy who was demon possessed. And they prayed for him and prayed for him and nothing happened. And Jesus came and he just said, gone. And the boy was free. And they came afterwards and said, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said one thing. He said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. It's very important to realize that, that their unbelief in that instance wasn't a disbelief in God's power. Did, did you hear that? You see, their unbelief in that moment that Jesus says, because you unbelief, their unbelief was not a disbelief in God's power to do that. Because they have seen it. The disciples have cast out demons. He sent them out two by two and they saw all the mighty miracles. Why not this time? You see... It was a natural unbelief that came from a heart that, that was sensitive to what they saw instead of what they really believed God can do. How many of us has, has come to a mountain in our lives and it was so overwhelming that, that we know that God can do this, but this just I can't believe that now in this moment. It is so big. It is so amazing. Have you ever stood before a dead body and have to pray for them? Just stand up. I've been there. You see, it's quite emotionally unsettling. And you need to walk. You walk in there and you know that God can do this. But there's just something in your heart that you see the dead body and you don't know, will this actually happen? And that's where the disciples was. They saw this demon throwing around this boy, convulsing, foam in the mouth. And they just prayed and prayed and nothing happened. And they started thinking, wow, this is worse than I've ever seen. Maybe I can't do this. You see, Jesus didn't say to them they couldn't cast the demon out because they didn't have faith. No. He just said because of their unbelief. That's a big difference. How many times have we stood before a mountain in our lives and we were struggling to see God's deliverance in that moment? I've been there. That has been so tough and so hectic and so big for me that I just can't see around this thing that God will give deliverance, but see, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we don't believe God can do it. See, in that moment, our faith is just crippled to such a place where we are in unbelief. Now we get there, and it's normal. We are human beings, and we are growing in our faith. But Jesus said, "Without unbelief, if you did did not have any unbelief." just a little bit of faith would have got you to a place where you could speak to any mountain and will move. Just without that unbelief, you just need a little bit of faith. So now I can ask, but how, Lord? <laughs> how can I not have unbelief in a massive moment like this? In a moment where there's a pandemic, everybody is freaking out, everybody is panicking, I need to be at home, I don't, I mean, how do I go to town? How do I do this? But I know you're a God who heal, but... Do you you catch where I'm at? How, Lord, how do I step into a solid belief where I know that your power can change the situation? We speak. We use our words. Remember the article? The more you say something, the more you believe it. Sometimes I don't believe it in that moment itself, but I know the truth, so I will start speaking that truth over that thing, on and on and ongoing and ongoing. See, we start to declare the truth and speak the word so that our heart can start to believe in God's power. Sometimes my heart and my emotion goes haywire, but my spirit knows that when I speak the truth, when I use my words that has power to move a mountain, that has death and life and the power of my tongue, when I speak that, I know that things would need to move. But sometimes my emotions and my heart need to catch up to my spirit. Now how many of you have put a mustard, little mustard seed on your hand? A little small mustard seed. How many of you? How many of you have put it in your mouth? Go and try it. When it's in your mouth, there's nothing really to it. It feels like a little grain of sand. But see, nothing happens until you bite that little seed. Because when you bite that little seed, it creates a sharp burning sensation on your tongue it's incredible what a small little mustard seed has see only when you bite into the mustard seed when you experience its power you can put that mustard seed in your mouth and you can suck on it and play around with it but until you bite it you will only then will see the power that it carries you see the word is the same when you read the word of god it's great to read it it's amazing but only you only start seeing the true power of the Word when you start confessing it, when you start speaking the Word, when you start meditating and speaking the Word. You see, I can, I can say that my God heals. Through His stripes, I'm healed. I can read it and read it and read it. But soon as I start speaking that Word, the power comes. Yeah. Do you guys know that 90% of the New Testament was written to be read out loud. It's proven. It was letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Ephesians, to all the churches to be read out loud so that people can listen and act and change. So there is so much power when you read the word out loud. Because you listen to it and people around you listen to it. So I like sometimes to take the word and start reading the word out loud. So, that I can start listening to the power that is hidden within the Word of God. See, there's so much power declaring, so much power in declaring God's Word. And there's so much power in making declarations over our lives when you take the Word and make a declaration. Make a declaration. We've made it such a, such a, um, a value in our home and such a thing that we, I try to always do declarations always do declarations Uh, maybe you should ask how does it look like is it when i walk in and i look at a a tv news um a new thing that that brings fear into my heart i will declare immediately father i thank you that i declare that you are not a god who gives me fear but of love and power and that you give me a sound mind to know that this is a bunch of nonsense that's a declaration Mm -hmm. i take the scripture i declare it and i make it truth in my life now this morning, I want to look at the power of our declarations by looking at three biblical reasons why we need to do declarations to see our mountains move. Just three. I'm going to take three truths, and I'm going to show you that through declarations in the Bible have moved mountains in people's lives. Are you ready? Great. Now let's look at the, num- the first one. Number one is, mountains move for those who believe for those who believe, they can have what they declare. Truth number one. Now on week one of this series, I spoke about Jesus and the fig tree. Do you remember that? Jesus walked past fig tree, cursed the fig tree. It was dead the next morning. And, and, and Peter freaked out and said, Oh look, the, the, the fig tree is dead. And Jesus said, where's your faith? And then he says, if you have faith, you can move mountains. Say to that mountain. Same context, oh, uh, same word, different context. Actually, Jesus said this a couple of times that you will move your mountains with your words. Now, let's look in Mark 11 where Jesus said that actually with the victory. He said the following For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We know the scripture. But there's a major truth in this verse that we can't miss, and we easily miss. We do miss can you guess what see jesus is not saying he who believes the mountain will be moved it will be done he doesn't say that he doesn't say if you believe enough this mountain will be moved he used a much more powerful truth let's read this again for surely i say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, and do not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. He says, Jesus says, who, He who believes whatever he says will be done, he will see it be done. Jesus says, Yes, you can believe, but there is a truth in when you speak to your mountain. And not just speak to God about your mountain, speak to your mountain about your God. About the power that He has given you in your voice, in your, in your, in your mouth. You see, the text alone will motivate us to a lifestyle of declaration. This text alone. I realize that if Jesus said that... But whoever says to this mountain, whoever declare to your trouble, your, your issue, your insecurity, your fear, if you declare to that thing, that thing needs to move. And the more you declare it, the more you believe it. The more you believe it, the more you see it. But see, the enemy wants us to stay still, to be quiet, not to speak. When, when I'm driving in my car and God speaks to me, I mean, I speak loudly. To myself it's okay to speak to yourself <laughs> did you know that it's okay to speak to yourself but speak the things that bring power And see as believers we need to get to a place where we believe what we confess and say and declare we need to get to that point maybe you're not at that point yet that's fine just start speaking the truth and you will start believing the truth there's some scriptures in my life that I've read and read and read and read and it's amazing. But when I started declaring that and doing confessions about that scripture over my life, after week two about, of every day and every second day, just doing that confession, just speaking that thing over my life, suddenly that thing falls from here to here. And when that thing falls, that 40 centimeters from my head to my heart, suddenly the truth start changing me yeah. and that's where i want to be that's what jesus says if you say to this mountain if you believe it we need to get to that place where we believe what we say and declare so that we can see the power of god you see only then when we believe that we will start to see the power of god in our words i don't know about you but i've got such a, a need to see more of god's power in my life like stephen said this morning We need to get to a place where we believe that we can pray for the sick and we will see the sick delivered and healed. Mm. That Corona is not bigger than Jesus. It's not bigger than the name of Jesus. And you'll see, I'm going to do a devotional this week that I'm going to speak about parts of this, but I'm going to make a declaration that says whenever you hear Corona, just say Jesus out loud. And we're going to start seeing a chain reaction. Imagine this. Just imagine this. That every Christian on earth, if they hear the word Corona, just say, Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I've, I've started doing that. It's quite amazing. It shifts my thinking immediately. Yeah. And when I hear Corona, Jesus. Yeah. Or thank you, Jesus. Yeah. But why? Because I had the revelation that the name of Jesus is greater than the name of Corona. Yeah. It's an illegitimate name. Yeah. And the name that I believe in is the name of Jesus. Yeah. That comes and changes. Amen. So amazing. Now number two. We cannot just think our way out of the wilderness. We need to speak our way out. You can't just think your way out of the wilderness. Now let me take you. Jesus was baptized. We all know the story. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens was torn open. Not the heavens went open and a nice light came out. It must have been incredible. God was so in love with His Son that He tore, go and read the scripture, He tore the heavens open. Think about that. When God comes and tore the heavens open and speak loud so that everybody there could hear, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I love that scripture because it just says something about sonship. That Jesus hasn't done any ministry till that point. He has done nothing. Nothing. And God comes and says, this is my son in whom i'm well pleased before you've done anything i'm already pleased at you isn't that a powerful point and he says the same about all of us no matter what you do or perform or i've done it i'm pleased at you it was such a powerful encounter jesus had in that moment with the father but guess what happened right immediately after that moment The Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness and into the desert. I thought, well, that's nice. Oh, Lord, this is where my ministry started. Where is the people? I want to go and preach, heal the sick. He was like, no, no, you're going to go into the desert. Into the wilderness. There he goes. let's read. And in the wilderness, Jesus was tempted three times. Let's read one of those temptations in verse 3 to 4 in Matthew 4. It says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Whoops. Let's read it again. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, if we look at the way Jesus dealt with all three of these Temptations in the wilderness, it illustrates the importance of us speaking truth to defeat the enemy. To speak the truth to defeat the lies of the enemy. Did you know that? You see, it's very important to know that when we are in a battle with the enemy, battling the lies in your life, oh, you are bad, you're not pretty, you're fat, you this, you're skinny, you... This, your, your big toe is bigger than the other big toe. You, when you're fighting all those lies of the enemy, you will not be victorious by just thinking about it. Your thoughts will not win the challenge. It won't. Your thoughts will just take you to a place where you meditate on that word and meditate on the, on the, on the lies of the enemy. See, but when we start including declarations... And speak the truth of God. The lies is exposed. And if you go through that scripture, that's the only thing Jesus did. When he spoke, it was truth. When he spoke, it was the word of God. That's the only thing he said. He didn't say, oh, shut up, enemy. Shut up, devil. I don't want to listen to you there. He just said, it is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God was on his mouth. He was doing declarations as he was walking for 40 days without food or without water in a desert. You see, intentional speaking of God's Word will give us some of our greatest victories in life. You need to be intentional. And I want to be intentional. That's why um, I'll share with you after today, um, if you want some declarations and confessions, I'll share with you for free. Just let us know. We're still trying to figure out a way to share that on our website so you can download the resources. But I've got pages of, of confessions and declarations that I do, and I just take scripture on healing, and I just start declaring that scripture over my life, and I believe I I, I can I can promise you, whenever you get to ten minutes of just declaring the scriptures of your life over your life, man, you feel different. I mean, I, there was times in my life that I feel so discouraged about big things in my life, and I just take the scriptures about who I am in Christ identity in Christ and I just started declaring who I am, who I am, who I am just speaking that word. I'm a I'm a more than a conqueror through Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. If I start confessing those scriptures, suddenly my my emotions start turning. And things start happening in my life. We need to be intentional in speaking God's word. Then the last one declaring your promise into your experience declaring your promise or your promises into your experience in genesis 17 it says the following no longer shall your name be abram but your name shall be abraham for i have made you father of many nations such a great story about about abraham where god came to abraham said you will no longer be abram but I'm changing your name to Abraham. That means that you are the father of every nation. And you all know that the promise that God has given Abraham is that he will be the father of generations and nations to follow. Now, Abram means exalted father. But Abraham means father of a multitude. Big difference. So to both of us father... But it's a big difference in terms of the one is exalted and the other one is father of a multitude. See, God didn't just change Abram's name, he asked him to change what he was declaring over himself. Do you know the power of your name? I mean, I struggled with my name when I was younger, because I'm the third or the fourth, Hendrik Johannes Witter. Really? Really? I was like, oh man. And, and, and every time a letter comes home, my, I don't know if it's my dad or, or my letter, or ooh, it's just a, a mess. Then one day I sat with somebody and he, they explained to me the power of my name. Yeah. Hendrik means ruler and owner of the household. Yeah. Owner of property. Come on. And Johannes means God is gracious. Yeah. So every time people say Henny or Hendrik, he says ruler of the household. Yeah. Owner of property. God is gracious. They speak a promise over my life that I don't know. Go and find out the meaning of your name and you will see what people are declaring over your name, over your life. And that's what God said to Abraham. I want to make sure that when people speak about you, when they speak to you, when they say your name, that they will declare that you are the father of many nations. You are the father of many nations. See, God wanted him to call himself by God's promise. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to change your name so every time you say your name that you're going to declare my promise over you. Isn't that amazing? See, God wanted, to de- wanted him to declare that he was the father of a multitude before he even had a descendant. Before he saw anything, there was no fruit, there was only a seed. But as he started declaring about that promise, without the fruit, suddenly things started changing. Did you know that when God gave the original promise to Abraham, he was 75 years old? 75. And nothing happened until he was 99. And if you look at the scriptures, when he was 99 was the day where God changed his name. Did, Did you get that? God gave him a promise. And years went by, almost 25 years, and God changed his name and said, Now I want you to start declaring so that you can start believing. And when he was 99, God changed his name. He started declaring his name that I'm the father of a multitude. And suddenly things started breaking through. He had a son. And in between, he had some illegitimate sons. But as he started declaring the word and the promise of God over his life that God has given him, things started changing. You see, the story of Abraham proves that when we bring all God's promises into our life experiences, we do it through declarations. We do it through declarations. you're struggling with identity, you're struggling with insecurity, you're struggling with stuff in your life, start taking what God says about you and start declaring that over your life. I promise you, it is going to revolutionize the way you see yourself and you're going to see boldness arise in your heart, in your mind, how you see yourself. I remember when I was, was, uh, just went into ministry, I had a passion to preach. Maybe I shared this testimony before. I had a passion to preach. But, but if you know me when I was at school, I mumbled a lot. So I spoke bonismos. I was shy. And I was insecure of who I was. My, my friends always called me names that I'm not going to share today. <laughs> But when I went into ministry, I had a dream one morning. I was in devotion. I was praying. And God showed me a powerful vision of me standing in front of thousands of young people with a fire burning inside of me. And I couldn't stand, stay still. I was speaking powerfully. Yeah. And I was shocked. I, I knew that God is calling me to preach. Yeah. And I went to my pastor. And, and he said to Henny, maybe you're not called to be a preacher. You're great with one-on-one persons. And, you're good in small groups, and it's really your strength. And you're so pastoral, and and I said, yeah, yeah, and it and it, it really shut my confidence down. And then God reminded me, Henny, but isn't isn't it me who spoke that over you? And I love my pastor. He just he was truthful about me, and I and I I I mean, he was the first one who let me preach, later on. But I hold on to that truth so much that I knew that God has given me this. So I started speaking over myself that I will preach. I will say something. And when I had my opportunity, I was ready. I was so ready that, I I mean, I clapped that sermon for a six. That first one. Everybody came to me after. It's like, who are you? Because, I mean, the Henny I know is that, that's not the same guy. And people are still saying the same thing to me. Because God takes over when you trust Him. his promises over your life see what are you declaring intentionally over your lives right now think about it what is there that you want to see that mountain move in your life but you don't know what do i say to this thing start taking the word of god Start declaring the truth over this mountain. And as you start declaring the truth, although you don't see something like Abraham, he didn't see anything, but he started declaring his name, which means that I'm a father of a multitude. And he started seeing the fruit of his words. doesn't make sense. I believe we as Christians are not to deny the facts of our current situation. We're not. We can't deny the truth. One of the the greatest psychological things is not to deny the truth, but to acknowledge the truth, but to put a higher truth on that truth. That's the thing. Yes, there's a truth. There is a virus and a pandemic in our country. But what is the higher truth in this? That our God has, has, has already defeated and was victorious over every sickness on this earth. You know that Corona has not just now suddenly popped up. It's been in existence for years, hundreds of years. It's just a mutated source of it. Same thing, same name. Jesus is still victorious. Yeah. See, we are called to address these things with, with, with responsibility, with wisdom. And that's why we sanitize, and that's why we, we, we do things, and we, we, we honor our government. If the government says lockdown, then it's a lockdown. And we honor them. doesn't mean we are not faithful. I'll preach. I'll I'll pray for anybody who wants me to pray for them. I'll put on my mask and my gloves and I'll go and pray. Why not? God is in control. see, we do, however, sorry, however we choose to focus more on God's truth and His promises, that's how we're going to see the change we need to choose we might can make an intentional decision to choose today and said lord i know these things has happened i know these things are happening but i make a decision today to bring a higher truth under this truth that we sing and i'm going to speak it i'm going to see it happen i'm going to see it defeated it. and like abraham god is calling us to declare his great promises over our lives you see, the enemy uses Corona to bring us to a place of fear and illegitimate authority where Jesus has the authority. Yeah. And I'll say in my devotional on Tuesday, you'll see what when, before Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, what did he try to do? He was trying to take authority from God, which was not his. It's illegitimate authority. What is Corona doing? It's trying to take illegitimate authority from God. Authority that God has given us. And it's not... I I wouldn't stand for that. See, God is calling us to be an overcomer. He's calling you. He's calling you to be a brave warrior. He's calling you to be victorious over everything in your life, no matter Corona. Think about businesses that need to shut down, people who don't have incomes. There's a lot of issues, but we can speak... No, life over it already. Yeah. Speak to the mountain about our God. Yeah. Not go to God and complain about the mountain, but speak to the mountain about our God who has already conquered death, who has, who, has, who has conquered the cross, who has conquered every sickness on this earth. Did you know that Jesus has got 39 lashes or 40 lashes minus one, or 39 lashes? 40 was, was proven that 40 lashes will kill you. So he was given 40 lashes minus one. Now if you go through, now you can, you can, uh, don't quote me on this, but it says that if you take every sickness on earth and you categorize every sickness, there is 39 categories of sicknesses in this world. 39. For every lash that Jesus has got, he has conquered that sickness. Every lash that is gone, he has conquered, said, I am victorious over this. I'm giving myself for that. Yeah. So my God has already given everything he has so that I can be free from those things and not be sick anymore. Yeah. So I will not let that sickness come and bully me or us. But we will stand up as a nation like now. right now people are praying, like we've prayed. And I believe that this sickness will bow its knee. It will bow its knee. And I don't care about conspiracy theories or whatever. I believe in my God. That He is going to conquer this. Amen. Why don't you stand? I want to pray this morning. Does this word make sense? Come on. Isn't God good? And I want to encourage you this week to start speaking truth over situations, over your life and start seeing God's goodness. And I want you to, to testify about the goodness of God on our Facebook page. Go on our Facebook page, KLC Stellenbosch. Go and put this, uh, um, publish something on our Facebook page. I just want to thank God for this, that I've trusted God, I've spoken His Word and God has done this. Amen. Great. Father, I thank you this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.